you should be grateful too because they are amazing. Yesterday was a, an amazing day. We celebrated a queen, Brenda. We had our open house. It was an amazing time. It was such a great party that God cried. <laughs> he wept all over our decorations and tents. It was a raining day. But it was an amazing day, amazing celebration. And, you know, we saw something beautiful. The storm came, the hail came, and then as soon as that was, that was done, we look and we see a rainbow. You know, and immediately God spoke to my heart and said, trust me, I'm with you. I am with you. My promise still stands because you know what that rainbow really stands for, right? His promise. His promise. And I know you might be going through a storm right now. The hail is coming down. You see the th hear the thunder. You see the lightning, but the rainbow is coming, church. The rainbow is coming. What a powerful service. I love to, um, as much as I love to play and to serve on the worship team, I love to just come and receive what the worship team has done under the leadership of my parents. And I really agree with what we were talking about today where that revival is coming, amen? And God, he wants to defeat that darkness that, that we're, we're praying against. And today I want to talk about a place where this darkness that you're going through, it doesn't dwell. And that is the presence of God. Darkness can't dwell where light is, church. Where the presence of God is, darkness cannot dwell there. And I want to talk about that place today, a place that's been given by God. The greatest gift we've been given by God is full access to his heart. It's the greatest gift. Not the riches of this earth, not, not our abilities, our capabilities, our, our talents that get us a ton of money at our job. Not that, but his heart. When we fall in love with God, we begin to realize what our life is all about, period. When you begin to fall in love with God, you begin to see and understand why we were created, why we are here. I have a couple questions to give you guys as we begin into this, into this message. My first question is, why do you come to church? Just think about it. Why, why are you here? It becomes so routine that we forget to ask the question, why do we come to church? Why do we come in this amazing building? The second question I want to ask you is, what is your expectation for today? What, what did you come to expect? You came to expect a, a powerful worship service? Was your expectation uh, an amazing 45 minutes away from your kids? What was the expectation? Brett Lance said, yes, Lord. <laughs> what was your expectation? My next question is, who is God to you? Not to Don, not to the leadership, I'm to you. You personally, your own heart, who is God to you? Here's the next question. What if you could have heaven on earth? All of the things you wanted, all of the blessings, all of the riches that you would wish for, all of the natural beauties, no sickness, no pain, no death, everything was perfect, but you didn't have Jesus, would you be content? 
And how you answer that question truthfully leads to my last question. Do you really love Jesus or do you just love the things that Jesus gives you? That's what I want to talk about today because I feel like we have a problem in the church today. And it's this. Many believers today are missing the whole point of Christianity because they are so caught up in the consumerism that happens in church culture. The desire for God has been neglected because sadly our desire for blessing and comfortability far exceeds what really matters. We treat church like Walmart. What can I get this morning? What can I, we, we come ready to be fed by the pastor. We come and we, we get ready to be fed by the prophetic words that Doug better give me today. We, we get ready to be fed by the worship team. They better sing the song I like. I'm tired of that song, I thank God. They just jump around and talk about graves. Why don't they sing another one? Why do you come to church? What is your expectation? We've missed the whole point. Because Sunday morning service, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Pastor Don. It's not about Firm Foundation Ministries. It's about him. And if it is truly about him, why are we so focused on stuff that don't matter? If it's really about him, why? Are we so caught up in these things? It's all about him, church. It's all about him. He is a good God, amen? He is a perfect God, amen? Aren't you so glad that in your darkness he came in and decided to dwell, and now that darkness cannot dwell any longer? It is the God we serve, a God of perfection, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He has always been, he is today, and he will always will be. That is our God. So why should we focus on anything else besides him? And this is the beautiful thing. Because he gave us his heart. He gave us this gift. Because if you know your Bible, our greatest calling as believers isn't to preach the gospel. It isn't to build a church. It's to love God. With all your heart, with all your might, and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. We see it in Matthew 22. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God. Blessings aren't the goal. He is the goal. Because the greatest gift we've been given is full access to his heart. If you fall in love with God, you're going to know what your life is about. So with that being said, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 27, verse 1. I love the Psalms. It's one of my favorite chapters. We're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 27, verse 1. Here we go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. See, it's not darkness. It's light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The evildoers evil assail me, 
to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against, against me, yet I will be confident. Right here, church. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire his temple. Can you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this word. And we just want to focus on you today. One thing we desire, Lord, is to dwell with you, to meet you this morning. Speak to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this scripture. So to give some context of this psalm, we don't necessarily know when this occurred, but we know that the writer was David. How many of you guys know about David? Very famous man in the Bible, and this is his psalm. So we don't know when he wrote it, but we know that he was facing some trials. He was facing some difficult times. As we see in the scripture, all through the chapter, we see that David, he was pursued by enemies. He felt forsaken and troubled, and he was subjected to slander. We know this from the scripture. David went through some difficult times. But through all of that, we see the purest longing after God expressed in verse 4. One thing I desire, one thing I'm going to seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The one thing I desire, and that's the title of my message today, one thing I desire. What do you desire? Why did you come today? Who is God to you? One thing I desire. David, he went through much adversity and affliction in his life. He went through a life. You know, all the soap operas that we see on TV today, they're cute, but I would love to see a soap opera made about David's life. Sheesh, as the kids would say. He went through a lot. He went through a lot of drama. He got stabbed in the back multiple times. Someone literally wanted to stab him in the back and kill him. He was on the run for years. He went through a lot of stuff. But I'm amazed by David because the one thing that never changed was his closeness to the Father, was his intimacy. David's intimacy with God never changed. Where is your intimacy with God, church? Do you have an intimate relationship with God? I'm not asking you if you go to church. Let's stop saying that if someone asks if you're a Christian. You a Christian? Yeah, I go to church. That's irrelevant to your faith, okay? Let me correct myself. Church is an amazing thing, but this isn't, the church doesn't hold your, your grounding, your foundation. It's your intimacy with Christ. You have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Do you have a secret place at home? Is there a place that, that when you go through some trouble at work, when you go through some trouble in your marriage, is there a place that you run to besides the bar? Where is your secret place? You have that intimacy. We see this in David's life. This, this what amazes me that he went through things that we never wished upon our greatest enemy, but he still stayed in the secret place. And that is where you're going to find victory, church. That's where you're going to find freedom from your addiction in the secret place. 
That's where your joy is dwelling. You're sitting here depressed. You're looking for the joy. It's in the secret place. You're feeling lonely. You feel like no one's loved you. You know where you're going to satisfy this loneliness? In the secret place. Are you in the secret place, church? This is the key to the revival we sing about and we pray about. Intimacy. The secret place. Meeting with the Father one-on-one. Something that's so much more important than the podcast we listen to. It's so much more important than listening to the fire Stephen Furtick message. The secret place. The foundation of your faith. Where you meet God. Where you know God. Your intimacy. Intimacy with God. So how do we find this intimacy, Breno? I'm glad you asked. Because we're going to talk about that today. How do we find this intimacy? And today I'm going to talk about three things that need to happen for true intimacy to take place with Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, here we go. The first thing that needs to happen to find intimacy with Christ is surrender. First point, surrender. Let's go back to the scripture. It says, one thing I desire of the Lord that will I seek. The experience of the goodness of God made David think about how wonderful it is, wonderful it is to seek him and experience his beauty. One thing dominated his life. One thing dominated David's prayer. Intimacy. David said one thing. Before we even keep going in the scripture, I'm a, I want to stay at the first word of verse 4. What does it say, church? One. One thing. He didn't say one of the things. Pay attention. He said one thing. David deals with the issue of dualism right away. A place where many of us live. Dualism. For those of you who don't know what dualism is, this is the definition. The division of something conceptually into two opposed or contrasted aspects or the state of being so divided. What does that mean? In the context that I want to talk about today is that many of us have multiple relationships of intimacy. And if you know the sovereignty of God, you know that he doesn't share the throne. Who's on the throne of your heart? Plain and simple. And the problem is, when we're living a life of dualism, we see the throne and we're telling more than one leader to go get comfortable in the throne, go get comfortable, get tight in the seat of my heart. I'm going to let you guys share the authority of my life. But that doesn't work, church. And this is the first thing you have to change to find that real change in our lives. And David knew this more than anything else. David's prayer wasn't, a couple things I desire, God and pride. A couple things I desire, the presence of God and the presence of my beautiful girlfriend. One thing I desire. Dualism doesn't work. We love to sing, you have no rival. 
But how many rivals do we constantly create in our lives that clash against the authority of God? What are some of these rivals? Money. The rival, the love of money. The verse of the rich young ruler, it wasn't a money issue, it was a heart issue because the rich young ruler had a, had a rival that was clashing against the priority of God and it was money. Other rivals include ungodly influences. Yes, God, I'm going to praise you on Sunday, but I'm going to listen to my ungodly influences on the rest of the week. Dualism. It's so important to remove this dualism in your life because how you steward your mind will either create singularity or duality in your life. All right. He's my leader, so I'm going to listen to him. How you steward your mind will either create singularity or duality in your life. Many of us are serving two masters that contradict each other. And we lie to ourselves saying that they can coexist. But it doesn't work. I know it doesn't work because the Bible tells me so. Just, just, just a plug, everything we do and live and breathe in our lives goes to the word first. This is, this is the foundation of my life right here. And it says in James 1.3 that salt water and fresh water cannot flow through the same source. And we constantly in our lives, every day, every week, we try to let salt water and fresh water flow through the same source. But no one wants to drink that water. That's not pure water. That's not clean water. And we try to, we try to throw in a little bit of God and throw in a little bit of sexual immorality and throw in a little bit of gossip and a little bit of drama and a little bit of dishonesty. And it's not the fresh water that the Lord can use to be effective. You can't expect your eyes to see, to look to two different directions and see clear. It's impossible. But we do this to ourselves every day. We're looking two different directions and we think that we're going to be able to see clearly. But we can't. And our intimacy with God will be blurred when our focus is on more than one thing. Maybe this is the reason today that you're struggling to have int intimacy with God is because you have two authorities in your life that contradict each other. To have real intimacy, you can only have one lover on your heart. One. Any husband in the room can tell you that it won't be a pretty day if you try to marry two women. Right? We, it's, it, it's, it's common sense when we apply it to marriage, but why isn't it common sense in our relationship with God? You can't serve two masters and expect your life to be fruitful. The reason why you're not seeing the fruit you, you desire in your relationship with God, in your Bible reading, in your prayer, is because you're serving another master that doesn't want you to do that. Dualism. You can't have victory in the battle when you're serving both sides of the war. You, you really desire freedom. You really desire the freedom from alcohol, 
in that addiction, but you're still hanging out with the people that want to drink with you. Dualism. You can't have a life of purity and holiness when you're sleeping and getting cuddly with sexual immorality. Dualism. You can't have true intimacy when you're cheating on Jesus with other lovers. Don't cheat on Jesus. Many of us are cheating on Jesus with other lovers. We come on Sunday and say, Jesus, I love you. I give you everything. But then Monday through Saturday, we live a lifestyle that contradicts who Jesus is. We're cheating on Jesus. This is the problem with intimacy. Church, if there is anyone or anything in your life that is challenging your intimacy with God, you need to come to the altar today after the sermon and deal with that. Dualism, church. Commit your whole life to God. Surrender your whole life to God, church. You won't regret it. And when we think of the word surrender, it sounds like a cuss word because we're like, oh, I have to give up something. But what if it's not about giving up something but actually choosing the better option? Because when you actually surrender your life to God, you begin to realize that you're not missing out on anything. When you truly begin to live in purity, when you truly begin to make tough choices, you reap the blessings that are so much greater than the other lifestyle that you used to live, live in. When you truly surrender your life to God, you don't even think about the other authorities that happen in your life because it's so much better living with God, okay? Like the reason there's a law is because God wants to help us out. Say, hey, if you listen to me, your life, your li you're going to reap the blessings, honestly. Because if you have any other authority in your life besides God, your life is going to crumble, period. Period. David had every reason to turn to other vices to fix his problem. Come on. The king of the land was hunting him to kill him. Come on. He had every reason to turn to another authority in his life. But what did he do? He ran to the secret place. He kept that intimacy with the Lord. He surrendered his life to the one thing. Surrender needs to happen to experience true intimacy, church. So what was the first point? Surrender. It's quiet here in the youth section. I need y'all. I'm just kidding, kind of. First point, surrender. We're talking about intimacy, right? Why do you come to church? What is all of this about? It's a secret place, right? We need to find that intimacy. The first point is surrender. And the second point is desire. For real intimacy to happen with God, there needs to be desire. You guys with me? So as we can continue on the scripture, one thing that I ask, or another version says, one thing I desire, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's such a beautiful scripture, isn't it? David had the purest longing after God, a deep yearning to dwell with him. We see that David desired God. He didn't, he didn't go to the secret place because he was forced. 
he didn't go to church because he was forced to by his mom. Maybe that's why some of the young people are here today, because you're forced. I've been there. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. It was worth it, though. Side note, I was forced to go to church, and it changed my life. We're going to keep going. So we see that David desired God, right? He truly had this desire. And we know that in our own lives, that desire is one of the strongest emotions. All of our decisions, all of them, big and small, good or bad, are birthed out of desire. Think about it. Why are you with your spouse today? You desired them. Other areas in your life, it's birthed out of desire. What do you desire this morning? What do you desire for your life? What do you desire for your family? David, he desired to spend time with God. Do you? Do you desire to go to the secret place and to go on a walk with God, to pray with him, to dwell with him? What does this verse mean? It means to fall in love with God and letting him transform your life. But the first part is you got you to fall in love with God. You got to desire God. And we see not only in this context, but in any context, proof of desire is in the pursuit. You don't have to tell me what you want. I see it by how you live. You don't have to tell me who's the number one love in your life. I can see it by the decisions you make every day of your life. And this is a fact. You will be intimate with what you desire. You will be intimate. With what you desire, church, whether it's the Lord, whether it's women, whether it's money, whether it's pride, you will be intimate with what you desire. Like I said before, this is all coming from the Bible. This ain't my idea. It's the Lord's heart. It's the Lord's mind. We're simply reading out of the heart of God, church. It says here in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your greatest desire, your greatest treasure comes from your heart, comes from what you truly desire. And when we talk about this word desire, I want to be really, I really want to be really clear today and remind you that there are two different types of desires. Don't think that just because you desire something, you let off the hook because it says, I need to desire no, there's two different desires, worldly desires and godly desires. We see this also in the Bible. James 1, verse 5, it says this, Then desire, when it has been conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, leads to death. This is a crazy verse when you really think about it. So you start out with a worldly desire, it gets pregnant. Talk about this wordplay in James. It's, it's amazing. A desire is birthed. It conceives sin. Now you got sin. He's a little boy. And when sin grows to become fully grown, it leads to death. Be careful, church. Because here is the truth. For the gospel to be true, this also has to be true. We are broken people. 
We are evil people. We are wicked people. This is the gospel that we needed our Lord. We needed our Savior because we desired everything but him. That's why God came, because we were cheating on Jesus. So he had to come, and he pursued our hearts. It's a beautiful love story, but it starts off with us being terrible people. That's why God came. We need to remember this, and we need to remember that the flesh is always hungry and ready to be satisfied. We need to be careful because any desire that opposes this book will lead to death. And when I say death, I'm not saying physical death. May it could happen, but the context of this word death is destruction. And we see, we hear it by by Jesus in the greatest way. The road of many leads to destruction. Any desire that opposes this word right here, this Bible, leads to destruction. Disobedience will lead to destruction. Willful sin will lead to destruction. It all leads to destruction. And the tough thing about our desires, our worldly desires, is we try to justify them. We try to justify the, the worldly desire that, that births sin. We try to justify what we're doing. But here's the truth of that. Justification never changes the destination. God already determined that. This is the truth that many people don't want to talk about it, but it's the truth. That the Lord already determined where a worldly desire goes. And it goes to destruction. It's a justification birthed out of the law, not what feels good, not what sounds good. And the reason why we see the gospel watered down so often is because we let our emotions be the head and lead us to our justification, but that's not Jesus. True justification comes from the law, sin is sin. And I'm the first one to receive this word because there have been times in my life where I've willfully sinned and it led to destruction. Sexual desire outside the covenant of marriage leads to destruction. Desire for money outside the integrity of giving and serving the Lord will lead to destruction. And this is a truth that we cannot forget. And the reason I'm saying this is because people are dying. And we need to preach the truth. We need to preach the full truth of the gospel. Is that if we don't surrender... If we don't change our desires, it will lead to destruction. And you know in your life, if you walk out any desire that ruins your relationship with your wife, it leads to destruction. And the same thing with our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And the Lord gave me this word right here. It's in my phone from 2019 when I was struggling with addiction and I was doing nothing about it. And he said this, Reno, if you're in a place where your desire gives birth to sin, kill it now before it kills you. Many of us are walking with a little toddler called sin. We're holding his hand. We're saying, where do you want to go, buddy? You want to go on the swings? You want to go on the slide? What do you want to do today? And the thing is, we don't realize how old this, this sin is. And if you let this sin grow to its full capacity, you will die. It will bring destruction. So I'm pleading with you, church, desire God. Desire the Bible. Desire the secret place. Because you will not regret it. You will not regret it. This is why God created his church to walk with him. It's a beautiful story. This is why the gospel is so beautiful that when I desired everything but Jesus, he came for me. He came, he, he pursued my heart. He pursued me like no one else. And I began to learn this in my own life, being a Christian my whole life, born and raised in this church. I remember when Don had hair. That's how long I've been here. Sheesh, right? I was born and raised in the church. I went to Bible school at 18 years old, and the Lord convicted my heart. He said, you don't know me. You don't know me. You need to release and let go of your parents' faith, and you need to build something on your own. That was hard for me to hear, but I needed that. And it was so beautiful because through that, I began to fall in love with the secret place. I began going to, I, I, was, I, was, I was super blessed because going to Bible school, they encourage these type of things, and they have, they have a sanctuary, they have a prayer room. So I decided to build a discipline of running to the prayer room every morning for an hour and saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm here, but I desire you. I desire a relationship with you. So I'm going to stay here until you meet me. And boy, did he meet me. I began to fall in love with Jesus. I began to, to build a relationship. I walked with Jesus every day. And I still do to this day. It's amazing. My intimate relationship with Jesus has never been better. And it's amazing. And another side note for anyone who is single, find someone who desires the secret place just like you. That's one of the greatest things I saw in my fiance, Juliana, is that she knew where her secret place was. She had an intimacy with God. And what's really beautiful is as we're, I'm about to move into our apartment, as, as we begin to get married later this summer, we're going to begin to live together after we get married. And we have a spare bedroom. And one of the first things we talked about is that's going to be our prayer room. That's what you call relationship goals, single people. Is that I found a woman who desired the secret place more than she desired me. So in my life, I began to build an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, something that's so much better than Sunday morning, so much better. Fall in love with Jesus. It's a relationship. And if it's truly a relationship, we know that relationships are only fruitful when it's two-sided. 
You ever been in a relationship with someone? Not just romantic relationship, but a relationship with a friend, and you were the only one that was giving time. You were the only one that was pursuing them, and you're like, man, this relationship is getting toxic because they don't even care. Has anyone been in that place? I've been in that place where you feel like you're the only one that cares. You're the only one that's giving time. You're the only one that's calling them back, but they're not giving you the time of day. We know that a relationship like that isn't fruitful, and we do the same thing with our Lord. We do the same thing with Jesus, where he wants to desire us. He's always available 24-7. He's an omnipresent God, where he's available any place at all times. But a a relationship is only fruitful when it's two-sided, church. You guys still with me? Great. So... To desire God, you need to first know him, right? In your, your relationship with your spouse, there was probably a, desire, a, a shift in your heart when you began to really know who they are, right? Something that, was, that, something that was greater than just physical attraction. You began to know their heart, and you were amazed by who they were, and you began to desire them, right? It's the same thing with God. When you begin to know how much God loves you, and how much he wants to be with you, you begin to build a desire. Because there's something so much deeper than knowing someone. Question, by the show of hands, how many of you know who Will Smith is? You watch Fresh Prince, greatest show of all time. You watch a movie of his. You've seen him on TV. All right, now how many of you know Tim Carpenter? You're famous, man. And then how many of you know Tim Carpenter more than Will Smith? Because here's the truth. We we, we know Will Smith and Tim Carpenter, but we don't know what type of friend Will Smith is. We don't know what type of husband Will Smith is behind closed doors. We don't know what type of father he is behind closed doors. We don't know what type of friend he is. I don't know that, but I can tell you a lot about Tim Carpenter. That's amazing. I can tell you that he will always be there for you. I can tell you that he is a very wise man, and he will always give time for you. That's Tim Carpenter. I know him. It's a different type of no. It's a different type of who is he? It's a closer no. And that's what the Lord desires with us. This next scripture I want to read you. It just blows my mind. John 17, 3, this is the words of Jesus. He's in his last days, last moments before he goes on the cross, and this is what Jesus says. John 17, 3, he says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. This is amazing. Jesus said to himself, Now this is eternal life that they know you. This shows to me that eternal life, what we receive through salvation, is much greater than living forever. We know in our own lives that when we get saved, right, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. But when you hear this word everlasting life, your mind goes straight to living forever, right? What's, what's, what does everlasting life mean? What does eternal life mean? It means living forever. 
But that's not the full truth of the gospel because everyone's going to live forever. Every human being on this earth, when their physical body decays, their spirit will go up or down. So to say that when I accept Jesus in my heart, to say that what I receive is living forever, that's not true. And when we look at this scripture, it says, now this is eternal life that they may know you. So the beautiful thing about this is that the purpose of salvation is knowing Jesus. The purpose of salvation is having a personal relationship with him, personal relationship with God. Why did God create Adam and Eve? What did he do? Did he say, there you go, I created you, go have fun, run back to me if you need me. No, he created them and he walked with them. He talked with them. He had relationship with them. That's why we've been created to have relationship with our Father because he loves us. This is what salvation is. Relationships are two-sided, church. What are you doing on your side of the relationship? If you're a Christian, you say that, that you're saved. That means you have salvation. So you have an open gateway to the heart of God. What are you doing on your side of the relationship? Are you giving something to God? Like I said in the beginning, why do you come to church? Is it to receive as much as you can, or do you come to church to give? Jesus had every right to come down to earth and receive as much as he could, but what did he do? He came down to give. In the Bible, in Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. It doesn't say, Bless me, Lord, O my soul. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Do you bless the Lord? Three years ago, I was in a tough place. I was out in the secret place crying out to God. Some things happened in my life that I didn't like. I was sad, blah, blah, blah. I'm crying out to God and saying, Lord, do something. Do something. Lord, speak to me. I want a word. I fasted for three days, and I'm like, God, I need something from you. What do you have for me? And he said one of the girliest things I've ever heard. God told me, be a flower in my garden. I was like, what'd you say, God? <laughs> Hold on, let, let me try this again. Lord, Father God, as I'm a man of God, in the presence of God, what are you saying? He said, be a flower in my garden. I was like, what? Maybe you meant to say that, send that to Brenda or to Amy or to my mom. I don't know. Let's try this again. What are you saying? He said, be a flower in my garden. And he was like, Breno, if I took every gift away from you, if I took every music ability from you, if I took your voice box so you couldn't preach anymore, would you still come and worship me? Would you still come and love me? Would you still come and walk with me? And that broke my heart because in that moment, I couldn't answer that yes. Because how many of us just go to God because everything is great? How many of us go to God because we got all the blessings in the world, we're so happy, so we're going to come to God and wait for another blessing. But how many times do we go to God simply because he's great, simply because he's amazing? And through that beautiful word, I'm a flower in his garden, y'all. I'm a flower in his garden. 
So when I come into the secret place, I'm like, God, I give you my affection. God, I give you my devotion. I give you my attention. I give you my heart. I surrender my life to you. What do you want from me today? What do you want from me? How can I be obedient today? How can I bless your heart? Because to be honest, I really don't care what y'all have to say about this message. I have an audience of one. And he's the only one that I care. I don't care if y'all stand up and clap, but if God's disappointed in me, that's what really matters in my heart. Because I, want, I desire to please him. I desire to, to, to please the lover of my heart, who is Jesus. And this is hard. I need to remind myself every day that it's not about me. When I come to church, it's not about me. When I go to young adults group, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about you. This is something that I need to work on every single day because it's hard. Pride is a real thing. It's a real thing. My flesh is always hungry. But I need to choose to desire him. It's a choice. Walking, desiring God is a choice. Because many times when I go and pray, I don't feel like it. Many times when I read my Bible, I don't feel like it. When I come and worship with my brothers and sisters on Sundays, I don't feel like it. But I choose to desire him because I know that's what I need to do in this two-sided relationship. Because anyone who's married knows that not, it's not every day that you're ready to, to be in love with your spouse. It's a choice. Some days it's harder than others, but you still choose because you know it's the right thing to do. You know because a relationship is two-sided. You have to choose to desire him. If you don't have that ishy, gushy, gooey feeling in your heart, go and fast more, pray more, seek him more, and stay in his presence till you weep. Stay in his presence till you find the freedom. Are you desperate for your relationship with God? How hard are you pursuing God? I bet all the husbands in here really pursued their wife when she was shutting you down. But what did you do? You pursued her till she accepted. How much are you pursuing God, church? How much are you pursuing Jesus? Maybe the reason he's quiet is because he's waiting for you to actually try in your relationship. What are you doing in your intimacy with God? Are you running to him every single day, even when you don't feel like it, even when someone dies in your family? Are you running to him? The purest desire happened in David's life. What are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? What are you doing? Are you seeking him? Because he's a beautiful God. What is salvation to know God? To know him personally. Because when you begin to know God, when I began to know God, I realized that he's so much more satisfying than the pornography I had on my phone every single day. He's so much more desiring than the sin that my body really desired and gratified every single day. He's so much better. He's so much better. And it's hard, but you got to pursue him, church. You got to pursue him. And a question to each and every believer today, the purpose of salvation is knowing God personally. But if you have, let me say it again, if the purpose of salvation is knowing God personally, but you don't have an intimate relationship with God, could this be the reason why you don't feel secure in your salvation? Say that one more time. So if the purpose of salvation is knowing God, but you don't have an intimate relationship with God, could this be the reason why you don't feel secure in your salvation? 
Because let's be real, we come to church, we get, we get saved, we receive Christ, but there are days where we don't feel like it's real. There are days where it's like, is this even real? Is this a joke? Am I just part of a cult? Like, let's be real. But I tell you this, church, I know I'm saved, but it's not because I go here. I know I'm saved, but it's not because of Pastor Don's sermons. It's not because of my parents. I know I'm going to heaven, not because I go to youth group. (laughs) I'm going to heaven because I know Jesus personally. There is no argument that could change my mind. There is nothing in this world that can change my mind. I know who Jesus is because I've been in a secret place. And when you've been in the secret place, your confidence begins to grow in who the Lord is. So I encourage you, if you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling with the salvation, run to the secret place and be vulnerable. Be vulnerable with him. Because intimacy with God brings security to life. Intimacy with God brings security to life. And the intimacy that God wants with you this morning is super close. With your, when you're intimate with someone, you're connected with them. This is why the Bible, check this out. And then you read the Bible and you see that the picture that God displays of Jesus and the church is a groom and bride because there's an intimacy between a groom and a bride that only happens through marriage. An intimacy that's deeper than you could know, you could imagine, and that's what God wants with you. Not your pastor, not your ministry, with you. He's talking to you this morning. He wants to desire your heart like a groom desires a bride. You might be asking the question, why should I even desire God? Why? And the answer is because he desired us first. He desired us first. You ever look at a couple and think, how did he get with her? Let's be real, we've all thought it. You look at a guy, and you look at his wife, and you're like, how did that happen? (laughs) How did he get with her? He must have money or an amazing personality. How did he get with her? Let's be real. We've all been there. And then I look at God, and I look at you, and I'm like, how did you get with him? (laughs) Think about it. I look at my life, I'm like, how do I have a personal relationship with a perfect guy when I've stabbed him in the back many times a week, when I've done wicked things that I don't want to tell anybody about, when I've done perverse things, when I've done evil things, when I've, I've, I've lied to my family, I've, I've sinned against God, I've done all these things, but a perfect God pursued my heart. Think about this, Jesus pursued your heart greater than any man could pursue a woman. 
because he could, have, he could have every reason to left you on the side of the road. No, but you know what Jesus did? He stepped into your addiction and said, you may feel like this is the end, but I know what the end looks like if you come and walk with me. He saw you when you were lonely and said, you don't have to worry anymore because I am with you. I'm closer than a brother. Come and walk with me. He saw you in your addiction, church. Come on, help me out. He saw you in your brokenness. He saw you when no one loved you. He saw you when you were ready to take your life, but he stepped in. He stepped past the ball. He broke every single wall that separated you from him in an instant. He said, come and walk with me. Come and dine with me. Come and dwell with me. He pursued your heart first. And that's why we should pursue the Lord. Intimacy can't happen without desire. And when you begin to realize that Jesus desires you so much that he came for you and died for you, you're going to begin to build a desire with him. So what we talking about? Intimacy. I got to hurry up. Intimacy. First thing we talked about was surrender. You have to surrender your life to build that intimacy. The second point is desire. Build a desire with Jesus Christ and you will never, never regret it. You'll begin to build an intimacy. Now the third and final point for today that I want to tell you how to build your intimacy with Jesus is trust. You have to trust him. As we go back in the scripture, it says, one thing I desire the Lord, this will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So David knew there was a beauty in the nature of the presence of God. He could think of no greater place, no greater occupation than to dwell in his presence. So we see in the, in the context of the scripture, he says dwell in the house of the Lord. But we see he says it in many ways. He says the house of the Lord. He says his temple, his dwelling, his tabernacle. In other words, he's talking about the presence of God. So in the scripture, when David's saying that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he's saying, God, I want to dwell with you forever. He's talking about the presence of God. And, and David wished he could, he could dwell with God more than any other person, more than any other thing. And it's not the earthly temple that charmed David. But it was the presence of God that charmed David. Are you charmed by the building of the Lord or the presence of the Lord? And I think this question right here separates American Christians and followers of Jesus. What do you desire more this morning? The building, because it's a beautiful building, beautiful lights. It's an amazing place, but this is not why we come. We come for the presence of God. We come for an encounter. And here's why we need to focus on the presence of God, because it doesn't change. You guys remember Don's sermon last week about how God never changes? It's true. His beauty never changes. His majesty never changes. That doesn't change. You need to remember that when your emotions change. You need to remember that when your situation changes. Because I tell you what, in your life, you're going to have the highest days ever. You're going to have the lowest days ever. And on those low days, you need to remember that God doesn't change. And you need to trust in him through the intimacy. Don't let your love for God be led by emotions. It can be so easy to love God at the ministry night because the tears are flowing, the songs are playing, and we get this emotional high for two days. And then the emotional high wears off by Wednesday, and now we don't feel like praying anymore. 
We don't feel like reading anymore. Why, why is that? It's because we're letting our emotions be the leader in this relationship, this intimate relationship between me and Jesus. But you can't let that happen. Let your desire for God, desire for intimacy be greater than how you feel in that moment. Because there will be times when you don't feel close to God. It's going to happen. But in those times, you need to trust his heart. And when there's times where you feel like you can't trust the hand of God, you need to trust the heart of God. Because everything God does in your life is for a purpose. Everything that happens in your life is for a purpose. So in the moments where God does something that you, that you wish he didn't, didn't do, something happens that you wish wouldn't have happened, you need to run to the secret place and say, God, this, this is terrible. I'm, I'm so mad. I'm so heartbroken. But I trust you. I trust your heart. Because you know in your intimate relationships with anybody else, you know that they break your heart. That people, they're going to let you down. There have been times in my, in my relationship with my fiance where I've broken her heart. And it's the worst feeling ever. But that moment doesn't change our love for each other. Because we know that our love is greater than an emotional feeling. And we have to apply that same thing in our relationship with God. We're stuck, life's going to throw some things at you. But you need to trust his heart and say that he's so much greater. And when you begin to trust his heart, God is going to take you on a, on, on a journey where he's going to go take you deeper. He's going to take you deeper. That refining fire is going to come and it's going to change your life. So intimacy it goes far beyond feelings. It happens when you trust. It happens when you trust. So we're talking about intimacy today. The first point is surrender. Surrender the dualism in your heart to find that intimacy. Don't cheat on Jesus, right? Stay in love with Jesus and no one else. The second point is to desire. One thing I desire. Desire God more than the other desires of your life. Because those desires are going to come, but you need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and desire the Lord. Go on a walk with God. Talk with Jesus. Do these things. And the last point of, of intimacy is trust. Trust him. Trust God. Maybe you're here at church today and you're going through the hardest season of your life where you feel like no one's there for you, no one loves you. But he still loves you, and it's a love that's greater than your feelings. It's a love that's greater than your emotions. It's a beautiful love. So who are we talking about? David, right? We're talking about David. And in the beginning, I asked, how many of you know, know David? Many of you raised your hand. And when I said, who was David? Maybe the first thing you thought of was, he defeated Goliath. He was a warrior. Maybe the first thing that came to your mind when you saw that, saw who David was, you thought he was a king. He was an amazing leader. But you know what David was famous for? Being a man after God's own heart. What was David famous for? His relationship with God. Y'all got to catch that detail. This is an important detail for our lives. He wasn't famous for being a shepherd 
not a warrior, not a king, but for being a man after God's own heart. And this proves to me, church, that God cares more about relationship than gifting. He cares more about relationship than ability. And he cares more about relationship than titles. So think about that when you feel crushed because you didn't get the title that you wanted at work or the title that you wanted in the ministry. God cares more about relationship with you than the title that you could get in your own strength. He cares more about who you are than what you do. I listened to a sermon this week, and he was saying, you know, we're not called human doings. We're called human beings. God wants to be with us. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're walking with. If God took all of your, all of your gifts today, if he took, up, took out all the wisdom that you have for your job, would you still come to church? If God took away every blessing in your life, would you still come and worship him? Because like I said in the beginning, blessings are not the goal. He is the goal. And like I said in the beginning, the greatest gift we've been given by God is access to his heart. Fall in love with God and you know what your life is all about. It's him. This is all about him. It's all about him, church. We don't come here to listen to an amazing message. Because if we did that, then our life wouldn't be consistent. If we came to church just because the service is awesome, because the lights are really cool, then it wouldn't be consistent because there were times where the lights came out. Remember that? The lights were shut down, but we were still here because we didn't come for the building. We came for his presence because he is worthy. Can you stand with me in this place? He is with you, church. Don't worry. Don't worry about the blessings. Don't worry about everything getting fixed. Don't worry because the fruit will come. Please receive that this morning. The fruit will come, but the fruit comes from sowing seeds of intimacy. The fruit comes, but it comes from sowing seeds of intimacy, sowing seeds of spending time with him, spending seed uh, of relationship, of communion. And the greatest call we have as believers is to fall in love with Jesus. So I want this altar open for anyone who feels like they're, they're battling with some dualism. Maybe there's someone else that's battling the authority in your life and is causing you to have a blurred vision of falling in love with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you want this intimate relationship with Jesus, but you just don't desire him. Or maybe you do desire him, but you struggle with that part of seeking 
of dwelling in his place and, and walking with him. The altar's open for that too. Maybe you're in a place where you have surrendered and you have pursued the heart of God, but it feels like God let you down. Come and talk to him. Come and be vulnerable and come and trust him. Because that's why we're here. Why do we come to church today? Because of him. Because he's worthy. What should the expectation be? Him. Because he's the greatest expectation, the greatest one I can receive. Who is God to you? He's your best friend. He loves you more than anyone else could ever love or pursue you. So I just want to take a time of just silence. I want you to talk to God. I'm done talking. I've talked enough. It's time for you to talk to God. Pursue his heart right now. Ask for forgiveness. Repent of your sins. And receive him this morning. So let's just take some time to do that right now. Maybe you're in this place and you feel too dirty. You feel like God is too good for you. So with that, you don't even, you don't even try to even have a relationship with him. But the Bible says that his mercies are new every day. And he loves you the same. What you do doesn't change his love for you. No matter how many times you make a mistake, he still loves you. And he wants you. He wants you. That's the gospel. Jesus, he wants you. Maybe you're in this place and, and this is your first time hearing about the gospel. Maybe you're here and this is the first time you've heard a message on having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Well, the good news is it's never too late. God is always pursuing. God is on a pursuit until he comes back to take us home. Maybe today, as he's pursuing constantly, he's come today to pursue you. 
you feel like God is pursuing your heart this morning, all you got to do is receive him. You've never had a relationship with Jesus before. He's pursuing your heart this morning. And today is day one of an amazing, intimate relationship with Jesus. So if you're in this place and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. You can come to the altar or you can stay at your seat. But if you're here in this place and you've never made that decision to walk with Jesus Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing my heart. Jesus, I know that I'm not worthy. I know that I'm a sinner. So Jesus, I repent of my sins. I confess that I need you. And I ask for forgiveness. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. No turning back to the other lovers. Jesus, I choose to have a relationship with you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. And God, I just pray for each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you help them build an intimate relationship with you. God, I pray that each and every person listening under the sound of my voice, will begin and understand and see that there's so much more to Christianity than going to church every day. They will begin to see that it's all about relationship. It's all about one-on-one communion with you, that it's all about surrender. It's all about walking with you every single day, Father. You love each and every person here. It doesn't matter what their title is. It doesn't matter how many times they sinned. It doesn't matter how many times they, they failed you. They failed their family. It doesn't matter. You still love 